0: This is the Larry Hardesty show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: For the hour, let's talk about it right now with Jay Bromley. Let's talk about the Super Bowl as it really gears up beginning tomorrow. As we start to have all the the countdown during the week, we have all the interviews, we have all the 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 uh, you know access to practices and all this other stuff. Jay Bromley, welcome my friend. How are you?
0: Hey, Larry, I'm well. Thank you for having me. Really my excited place. about this
1: upcoming weekend all right so take me through this week from you know your experience and talking to players for guys who are in the Super Bowl what is what is this week like compared to the way it was last week last week was just a regular week kind of for them but now this week it really gets amped up you've got all the other different things all the media obligations all the other stuff it's not your normal week and we know that athletes are creatures of habit
0: well, you get a you get a little bit more on track. I would I would like to say you probably get you get back to your regularly scheduled program as far as some of the practices and things. You might have thrown an extra practice or two in there to coach to go over some schemes, right? But I feel like most teams and most head coaches are probably thinking to themselves, like, hey man, we we play well enough to get here. We're gonna stick to you know really out the outlining of the next team that we're playing, you know, the Eagles or the Kansas City Chiefs. But we're really going to stick to what we do best. That's how we got here. And we're going to make sure we iron out all the details.
1: As you start to look, and we had a caller earlier to just talk about how dominant this Philadelphia Eagles defense has been, especially as far as rushing the quarterback. I mean, they're over 70 sacks as a team. Uh, when you look at their defense, uh, Jay Bromley, what makes them so good?
0: Well, it all starts up front. You know, when you get to this, this deep in the playoffs, it's the guys up front that are winning you the games, you know. They say offense sells tickets and defense wins championships. And we're gonna see that in this upcoming Super Bowl. The Eagles defense up front, you have at least probably four or five first round, first, second round picks on that on that front four in the rotation. You got Hall of Famers like Dominican Sue that rotate in, Linville Joseph that rotate in. You got young like you have so much depth at that defensive front, is going to cause havoc. And that just makes everyone else's job in the secondary that much easier, right? So the corners get to play, you know, a little bit heavier on the cover, too. The ball is coming out faster. It's really how everything is attached. There's no separation of the two. If you have a really good secondary, it gives the defensive line more time. If you have a really good defensive line, it takes away the timing of the offense for the secondary. So those things intertwined makes this defense phenomenal.
1: When you look at what Kansas City does offensively, and obviously their offensive line is good. It's not great. It's good. As you, as a defender, as on a, a, D, a D lineman, what are you looking for? What are some of the keys you're looking for? Because you expect, you know, they they love to throw it to Travis Kelsey. He's always open. You, you know, they love to, to try to run the ball. And obviously you would expect that uh, Patrick Mahomes, will, he's not going to be 100%, but his ankle will be better than it was two weeks ago, right? So what are your keys? What are you looking to do against their offensive line?
0: The offensive line, you, you just look at it from the top down. You go to Orlando Brown at the left tackle. You say he might be their strongest. Thune, you have a couple guys that probably stand out more than others. And other than that, you kind of feel like, like you said, they're a good offensive line. They're not a great offensive line. I think the Eagles win that battle hands down as far as that that part of the team. So with them, you really want to focus on getting, getting Patrick Mahomes off the spot. So with great quarterbacks, you're really not going to totally dismantle them. It's like going against Peyton Manning. You're not just going to totally X him out the game unless he's just having an off game. What you want to do is you want to disrupt him as much as possible. I mean, similarly, too, we see this often in these, these Super Bowls and in these deep playoff games, you know, back to the Giants and the Patriots, you know, 15 years ago with the helmet catch. What you look at is how does that defensive line play and how disruptive are they to that quarterback? Patrick Mahomes is not 100%. You want him to be thinking about that ankle all day, and you do that with push up the middle. See, Most people think that the edge rushers are the best, which they are. They have great reputation for that. But quarterbacks hate pressure up the middle. If you can push back that center and those guards so that they're stepping on Patrick Mahomes' toes, which they have the big guys up there, even if you don't get the sack, he throws the ball, he hits his hand on the helmet, now he's a little more fragile that way. Everything's thrown off with his timing. He just doesn't feel comfortable. You really just want him uncomfortable in that pocket.
1: How important is containment, Jay, for a guy that, he, even though he may be limited, may want to, you know, try to run and make some, extend some plays by trying to maybe run outside a little bit.
0: It's it's very important, but it all depends on the quarterback, right? You're more you're more inclined to think about containment when you think of Jalen Hurts, obviously. Patrick Mahomes can hurt you with his legs, but that's not really his forte, right? So you probably really think about containment with him when you get red zone in, when you get to 20 in, you realize, okay, this guy can run for it. He can do the things that we've seen him do this year amazingly, right? Make a spin move, make one guy miss, and just flick it to a guy for a touchdown. We know that he can do those things. But for the most part, you kind of just pin your ears back with Patrick Mahomes when you're probably in the middle of the field for the most part because you know that he's not really outrunning anybody, especially on a bad ankle.
1: All right, so let's go on the other side. My guest is Jay Bromley, a former NFL defensive lineman here on the Larry Hardesty Show. All right, Jay, let's look at Kansas City's defense against uh, the offensive line of the Philadelphia Eagles. And listen, Chris Jones has had a heck of a season, but he's going to need some help if he's going to keep some pressure on that uh, Eagles offense.
0: Certainly, certainly. A one-man wrecking crew like Aaron Donald has been the last few seasons. Is not something that comes around often. So Chris Jones, in my opinion, is a, is a great football player, dominant in, in multiple regards, but he's not Aaron Donald, and no by, by no stretch of the imagination. So I don't I don't feel like he, he I feel like he can wreck a game, you know, give an opportunity. But let's be honest, he's had multiple opportunities with Kansas City in the, on this run that they've had in the postseason. He just came up on his first two sacks. So and obviously, sacks don't always tell the whole story but that is a part of the game that's very really disruptive that helped them win last game. So hopefully he can keep that up going against a really, really strong Philadelphia offensive line like we spoke about earlier. That is the strong point of their team. So their ability to double him, and Chris Jones has the the, the, the ability to get lazy sometimes on the back on the back end when, when plays are not going his way and, and getting double teamed a lot. So I think Philly will lean on that physicality to kind of wear him out and believe in that maybe they can single up Clark on the edge because they they got deep left tackles and right tackles that can do all things, that can guard one-on-one, and that's the strength of their team. And Jalen Hurts can make people miss, so even their mess-ups don't look like mess-ups because of what their quarterback can do. So I think defensively, Spagnola is more of a fire zone kind of coordinator, right? He wants to blitz in the short side of the field. He wants to send blitzes. But he's going to have to be a little bit, configure things a little bit differently, knowing the running capabilities of Jalen hurts that zone read aspect. I think I will say early, he would just tell whoever the defensive end is or the person responsible for the quarterback, hit the quarterback, no matter what, make Jalen, Jalen hurts a giver of the ball every single time. Right. And make him have to make poor decisions when he wants to feel like I need to make a play. You want to get in his own head so that he makes the wrong decisions as much as possible. Jay, uh, who
1: has the edge of quarterback in this game?
0: I think, hands down, you have Kansas City. I mean, Jalen Hurts has played phenomenal this year. Philadelphia has a phenomenal team. and have great coaching and, and from top to bottom. But he doesn't do what Patrick Mahomes does. Um, altogether, Patrick Mahomes is phenomenal. He makes his teammates better. The fact that he lost a top-10 wide receiver, if not better, and his team actually got better, he threw for 5,000 yards again. He was more efficient, more effective. That shows not only his, the coaching staff over there at Kansas City, but his attention to detail and his willingness to continue to improve in spite of all the greatness he's, he already accomplished. So I think Patrick Mahomes is the guy.
1: Running game, is it going to be a major factor or not? Are we going to see a, just an aerial assault in this, in this Super Bowl or how important is the running game going to be? Is it just going to be to keep balance or is it going to be effective?
0: I believe it's going to it's going to have to play a, a pivotal role. You don't want Patrick Mahomes having to throw 60 passes versus that defensive line because that's not going to work out well for you. That's going to be a, even if they don't sack Patrick Mahomes, they're going to hit him. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to get Patrick Mahomes back there and him feeling uncomfortable his time being off. Hopefully a lot of his receivers got back healthy right so they're going back in with more of a full deck. That's not what you want. As far as as far as Philly goes, that's part of their game. They that zone read and those RPOs they don't work without you having some type of run game that can actually affect the game. And they showed that last game. They needed to run the ball, and that's what they bread and butter. And they just keep going back to it with their double teams and the way they run their inside zones, their trap plays. And they're going to trap Chris Jones's game hands down, right? Him trying to be aggressive, getting up the field. They're going to do things that that disrupt the flow of the defense and get them caught off guard. So I think the run game is gonna be pivotal to set up those plays down the field when you kinda lure the defense to sleep.
1: Jay, does it it's a big game clearly and you've got veterans on both teams, but but having been here before, is that an edge for Kansas City? Or really when you get on the field it's 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 a it's the same.
0: I think it's an edge. I think it's a mentality they can lean on guys like Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey and and the coaching staff that they have with other veterans, and say, "Hey, we've been here before. We know what this spot is like. We don't have to be we don't have to be stopped a deer in the headlights when it comes to you know the, the halftime being 30, 40 minutes, right? We kind of know how this train goes. In Philly, I'm not sure how many players are left over from that Super Bowl a few years ago, but they they've been here relatively too. They're not 15, 20 years removed from a Super Bowl." So both teams relatively have some really good playoff experience, have guys on the roster that have won Super Bowls, and I think those guys will be the spearheads to keeping the team calm, keeping them collected, and really showing them, honestly, it is the biggest game of your life, but it is still football. The game didn't get longer, but halftime did. That's about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jay Bromley is my guest. Jay, usually in these games, there's a player or a position that we don't think about that has an impact on this game. Uh, when you look at these two teams, as you start to study them and get an idea of what to expect, as you start to do your breakdowns, is it going to be special teams? Is it going to be a return? Is it, where do you think it's going to, what position do you think or what side of the field do you think is going to be that, that we can look for to say, huh, I wasn't expecting this from these teams.
0: If I had to had a, to think about that, I would say in the return game, right? So how, how are these how do these kickoff and these punt returns really shifting the field for each each team, right? So how can we leverage? How can each team, Kansas City and Philly, leverage their return game to the point where they can really flip the field? These drives have to be eighty yards, or do drives can drives be fifty, sixty yards? That's a game-changer when it comes to play calling. That's a game-changer when it comes to when you take your shots and how you take your shots on offense. And also, time of possession, right? Time of possession. How can defenses – how many three-and-outs can Philly get versus Patrick Mahomes? Are they getting third and shorts? So they have to – they're putting in a a, a predicament where they're constantly on the field for 10, 15-play drives. These things are what you pay attention to that are are in the details of things that – might not show up as a big play, but man, when you're tired, you make mistakes. And yeah. we, and as the game is progressing and you're running that ball and the clock is running and then guys are tired, and if you can't stop the run, it's even worse because now you're just getting punched in the face and you can't even get up. So that'll play a big, a big thing in this
1: game. Who are you picking, my friend?
0: I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs on this one. I know Philly has a better defensive line overall in um, better defense overall and I know defense wins championships, but I think Patrick Mahomes is special. I think that he can do things that not many, if not any other quarterback, can do. And if there was a person that can go out there and put you can put the, the half a billion dollars on their arm, he he's that guy.
1: Should be a good one. I'm I'm hope you know you know how these games go sometimes, Jay. You know, you expect to be a really good game and sometimes it's, you know they they're not as good as you think. I think this one's gonna be pretty good.
0: I agree. I agree. I think this is going to be worth your popcorn and worth, worth the price of admission. Um, and then we can all sit back and enjoy and really just be grateful and look forward to next season and, and make all the predicaments from there. All
1: right, Jay. Thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. We'll break it all down. Thank you, Larry. I right, appreciate you. Jay Bromley, former NFL defensive player with uh, the most of his career with the New York Giants, breaking down and giving us some thoughts about The Super Bowl comes up a week from today. When we return, we'll talk a little Giants, and we'll take your phone calls as well on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: ESPN New York app. Larry Hardesty with you on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. We talked about the Jets. We've talked about the the Super Bowl with Jay Bromley. I'll get his thoughts. Let me talk about what he had to say in a second before I talk about the Giants. And I thought he broke it down well. And it's interesting because he gave the edge defensively to the Eagles, and why not? Their defense has been dominant, especially rushing the passer. When you talk about the offensive lines, you'd have to give a slight edge to Philly. But he picked Kansas City. and I'm leaning towards Kansas City myself, and I think a large part of it is – the fact that Mahomes, you, you, Mahomes is just, he's the best quarterback going right now. I mean, you look at what he was able to do with a high ankle sprain. You look what he was able to do, even hobbling. Now, was he compromised? Absolutely. But he still was able to buy time. He still was able to extend plays. He still was able to get the ball to his, to his guys. And this is not going to be an easy job for Steve Spagnuolo. It's not. The D coordinator for Kansas City. He's got to come up with a scheme where he contains Jalen Hurts because you're not really sure what his shoulder is going to be. Okay, now obviously it should be better than it was a couple of weeks ago. But you want to limit him because Jay's right. He's more of a He's more of a threat to run the ball than Patrick Mahomes is. So from a defensive standpoint, you want to maintain containment, but you want to pressure him. And obviously you want to make him have to throw the ball earlier than he can, than he wants to. He's got very good receivers and a heck of a tight end. I mean, on paper, this should be a really, really, really good game. But if I had to give an edge, I got to give a slight edge to Mahomes homes in Kansas City. I do. I just think the fact that they've been there, the fact that they work so well together, I, I have to give them an edge. But would I be shocked if Philadelphia won? No, not at all. Not at all. It would not be an upset to me if Philadelphia won. They are, and they've proven to be, a phenomenal team. Especially what they've been able to do defensively. And then when you when you figure out what they do offensively and how Jalen Hurts has just taken another step this season, how good he's been with finding his receivers and still being able to run effectively. It's no wonder why they've been so good. Now, having said that, it was not one of his better games against Frisco. And... Clearly, it would have been closer and more of a competitive game had Purdy not gone down and Josh Johnson not gone down. Boy, had Purdy not gone down, clearly, it would have been a more competitive game. But the Niners' defense, which everybody knows is top-notch, really kept them in that game. And that was, even though it didn't look close, that game didn't get blown up until late. That was a closer game than you would give credit to. I mean, the, the Niners hung in there. They did all they could defensively to keep that game close to hope that something would happen, whether they would try to get an interception, whether they would try to get a score, whether they they felt they had to play offense and defense for them to even have a shot. And unfortunately, they were right. And so you look at the Eagles – And you saw how they dominated against the Giants. And you figure, you know, this was going to be an easy domination, not an easy domination of Frisco, but it was going to be a situation where they would beat them pretty handily because you figured, okay, this was going to be be the week that Brock Purdy would come back to earth and say, okay, this is, yeah, we know you're a rookie. We know you've had a great run, but now it's over. And unfortunately, he didn't get a chance to prove otherwise because he got hurt in that game. But um, I really believe that Kansas City will find a way to beat um, Philadelphia. But once again, it should be a heck of a game with a bunch of storylines that's going to drive you nuts all week long. When we return, we'll talk about the New York football giants next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: See, i hope it's I hope it's a better game than that. I kind of want to see a little closer game, thanks for the phone calls, but i hope it's hope it's a little better, but listen, like I said, I would not be surprised if Philly won. I'm just giving a a nod to what I think Kansas City can do and am i am if anything you know Kansas City has played closer they play a lot of close games a lot of close games this year, so it's going to be interesting it really is. It's going to be interesting. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm ready to see it now. (laughs) Let's stick with football. Let's talk about the Giants. Now, before we talked about the Jets and their quarterback situation, well, Jordan Runon was on uh, New York game day this morning with uh, Anita Marks and Matthias Kiwanuka and, of course, our front office uh, GM here on 98.7 ESPN. So they were all asking Jordan Runon about – the situation with Daniel Jones and the Giants. So, Jordan, where do the Giants stand with Jones?
2: Yeah, it hasn't I mean, Joe Shane said this week down in, Mo, in Mobile at the Senior Bowl that they haven't gotten into that yet, but uh, it's something they're going to address. They want him back. They're going to do it. It's going to be a deal that they're going to try and make. And from what I understand, is it's something that they're going to try and do rather quickly, right? You don't want to have to use the franchise tag if they don't mm-hmm. have to. Because it's a huge it's a huge tool in this uh exercise here at the moment. And it's especially more important because there's the I uh, there's the other one that they need to take care of and that's Saquon Barkley. So if you think about it, they if they can get a deal done with Daniel Jones sooner, now they have the franchise tech to use on Saquon Barkley. And think about that for a second. Ten point one million dollars for a running back is a very good player, great you know, great player, top top end running back, but 10.1 million dollars, one year deal. That's like a nightmare's worth uh, a running back's worst nightmare, right? Who's trying to get his only payday, big payday of his career? That's where Saquon Barkley would probably lose a lot of his leverage at that point, right? He wants more than 12 million. He wants closer to 14 million. Uh, once you have that franchise tag to use on him definitively. I think that leverage swings in the Giants' favor big time.
1: All right, Jordan, we'll get back to Saquon in a minute. Do you think there'll be competition to sign Daniel Jones?
2: Daniel Jones is not going to be open on free agency. They pretty much made that clear, the Giants. They said, we want him back. Uh, He's going to be back. I mean, Joe Shane actually basically slipped during his season-ending press conference and said, we're glad Daniel's going to be back. I mean, they're not letting him hit the open market because then – you're basically just opening it up to free bidding, and that just would only benefit Daniel Jones. That would not benefit the Giants. He's going to be back, and they're not going to allow him the opportunity for other teams to then swoop. But, yeah, other teams could swoop in, by the way, Nita, if they need to use the franchise tag. But then it'll cost you the $40 million, whatever, or more at that point, plus two first-round picks. And I don't think nobody – we haven't seen that happen in years and years and years. It's not going to happen in this case either. So once they use the franchise tag on him, it'll be over.
1: All right. So clearly, um, listen, he's earned it. I mean, Daniel Jones played very, very well. He played very well this year, and uh, I agree with Jordan. They don't want him. They're not going to try to get into a bidding. They want to make sure they don't get into a bidding war with him. All right. Let's talk. Let's go back to Saquon Barkley. Jordan. Jordan. Jordan Ronald was asked, "Do you lose the locker room if you give Barkley the franchise tag?"
2: Uh, you know, I spoke to some people about this recently. It's funny you say that, and I, I do. I do think that uh, because, look, this isn't just a really good player who's kind of stuck it out through the tough times. This is – he is their leader. He, he's their number one. He is the face of the franchise, right? Most teams, it's the quarterback. The quarterback's the face of the franchise. You, If you're around the Giants, you come to training camp, you come to any, uh, you know, event that they hold – People flock to Saquon Barkley. And then, if you then don't take care of him, right? First of all, the franchise tag is lower than what they already offered him. So now, if you have he, if, he clearly would not be happy with that, right? Because he, he wants, they already offered him more money than the franchise tag. Playing on a one year deal as a running back who's in year six in the NFL, that's not a good situation. It would be a really hard thing for this Giants locker room to respect and say, hey, they didn't take care of Saquon here. And, He's their leader, So they didn't take care of our leader. We finally feel like we built something. They're not even taking care of the leader. They're going to play hardball with everyone. So it is definitely a hard thing for the Giants to pull off. I don't think that they would do that. I don't. I really don't think they're going to. They intend to play super hardball and not take care of their leader, their best offensive. Like everybody knows, this is their best offensive weapon. Uh, I think it would send the wrong message to the team, and I don't think that's what they're looking to do here.
1: It puts the Giants in a tough spot, right? Because. What is Saquon worth? I mean, he gave you everything he had this season, and there's no question that you wouldn't have been where you were without him until you got your receiving, receiving core going in the last month of the season. It was him and Daniel Jones. They were carrying your offense. And for a couple of weeks, he wore down a little bit because of the offensive load he was carrying. So, yeah, I, I understand it. But the Giants have a lot of things they have to sign to get on this team. They've got to improve their, their offensive receiving core. They've got to improve a bunch of different things. So the question becomes, how much are they going to give Saquon? They offered him 12. He didn't want that. The, the franchise tag for running backs is 10.1. So clearly that's $2 million under what he already has turned down. It, it could be a tricky situation. But unfortunately for the Giants – uh, like I said, they need they need some more help, and it's a shame. It's the position of running back, but you can get a speedy running back to come in and help your offense almost as well as Saquon's been able to do. They may not be that they're not they may not be as good as Saquon, but from a monetary standpoint, what are you going to do? How much are you going to pay him? It, it's it's a tough situation. Last thing from Joe and on the guys asked him this morning, looking back, did the Giants screw up the jones Barkley signing process?
2: I think yes. I think if you, you say to them, would you, in retrospect, now that we sit here now, say, would you have rather used the 50-year option? The answer is obviously yes. But I just think with a new regime, they didn't see him firsthand. Uh, he, ha- he didn't th- think about it. What, what was the biggest problem with investing in Daniel Jones entering the season. It had nothing to do with his play, not even the turnovers. It was his health, his injuries. He had a neck injury last year, right? He missed the final six games of the season where they lost all six and averaged under 10 points a game. He had never played through a full season and not gotten injured and missed games because of injury. So for that reason, they couldn't invest in him. There was too many question marks. I, I really think it was the right move. Yes, if we knew that he was going to stay healthy and play at the level he played, sure, we could say they should have given him the 50-year option. That would be the best financial move. But at the time, because of the injury side of it, I just think it really wasn't a move that could be made. And so I'm not going to sit here and say it was a mistake by them. I, I, re- I really just can't say that be- only, but strictly because of the injuries. Forget the play side because I was always on the side. Now, you, I know you were – or more on the side that you can make him into a good quarterback, but the injuries and the neck, and specific, in particular, that injury made it really hard to do.
1: They did not make a mistake. This this was a new regime who had no loyalties to Daniel Jones. They didn't know what they were going to be able to do. They didn't know how he was going to respond to their schemes, and so they did not offer the fifth-year option. And that was the right thing to do. They are they would rather be in this position now. <laughs> Where they're saying, okay, we're gonna to have to bring him back and pay him the money. They would rather be in this position now than to have given him the fifth year option and then he would have been he would have been awful this season. So no. Uh I agree with Jordan. They 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 did the right thing. Uh the Saquon situation once again was kind of similar to the Daniel Jones situation. It was a lack of availability. They didn't know how available they knew his talent. They didn't know if he was gonna be available enough to Make an impact on this Giants roster on this Giants offense. So no, it, it was not. It was it was not uh, a mistake on either player. They played for their contract and they they performed and they've earned it. Now the Giants just have to figure out how to pay him. Okay, and in a sense, that's a pretty good problem to have because it means that you're a, you're not in as bad a situation as you thought you were in. At those two positions, it means that you will have to make some adjustments, but you can still find a way to improve in the other positions you have. But at least you know you got a quarterback for the next couple of years, right? And with improved weapons, he could be even better than what he showed this year. He could be more consistent than what he showed this year as long as he maintains his health and maintains his availability. So in that case, it's pretty good. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.